Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello, and welcome to the Hostile Work Environment <laughs> podcast after a long delay. My name yes. is Mark Alifans. I am here, <laughs> as always, with Kate Bischoff, who is less giggly today than normal. Uh, <laughs> well, only because, you know, giggles still bring up a little bit of coughing. So when you're on day, what, nine or ten of COVID, like you still worry about like getting the coughing part of it. So that's where I'm at. So Kate, Kate just transitioned into a little bit explaining why we haven't been here. <laughs> I was sick. I didn't have COVID uh-huh. this time, but I was sick and out of commission for about a week. And then we were like, let's record. And then Kate got COVID uh, yeah. and has been out of commission. And I mean, I don't think you sound 100%, but you sound no. pretty good. Yeah, I'm pretty nasally still. Um, so I feel like I'm still really in my head and I have this cough. So you guys, I'm sure you'll still hear it, but I feel much better. I really was almost entirely laid out for five or six days. Like it was not pretty for a while. And I was trying to do an investigation during it. Oh, it was just kind of tough, tough stuff there for a while. So, and and you had very, very compliant witnesses, if I recall. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely Uh, not. Definitely not. Um, definitely not. Um, yeah. But it, it, you know, everything's going to go fine. It's going to be great. So that's good. But I do want to start talking about something. But before we do that, how have you been? <laughs> I'm fine. Busy. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's been what? Almost, I didn't check to see how long exactly, but I think it's been about, about a month, month. Since, uh, since we recorded. I think this will probably be our last episode for a little while as we kind of transition into a summer mode and kind of regroup and give ourselves some space to re-energize to come back again in the fall. Uh, We may or may not have some sort of special thing this summer. We're talking about that. Mm -hmm. We'll see about that. But um, otherwise, uh, it's been good, except this is like the grayest Portland spring I can remember. Uh, We've had only two days that have reached kind of the high 70s at this point we haven't had an 80 degree day yet in june uh and it's been overcast and rainy so like last night it was 55 degrees and raining on june 3rd at the thorns game i was at last night which was wonderful otherwise but i could use i i I don't need that much i just could use like a week (laughs) so that i can mow the lawn because it's too wet and it's already up past my waist because there hasn't been a gap here there hasn't been a gap you did no mow May. So just think of all the pollinators you've helped. I, I tried. <laughs> I got, I, it's been, it's a long saga that our podcast listeners don't need to hear about. But, but if you, if you want the image of, of lawyer Mark on the ground, <laughs> trying to um, get his, his riding mower to start after a long winter, <laughs> fixed it, fixed it. I'm very proud. Wow, uh, you should be proud of yourself. I then had to. The belt came came off and ripped. I went and <laughs> bought a new belt and replaced the belt. 
Okay. And now I've got a blade that's loose of all things. And I can't get the blade back on because the grass has been so thick. It, and I, it, oh. so that's my next project. I lost, a, a, this was before we recorded last. I lost like four <laughs> trees in that freak April snowstorm we had. I was out last weekend hoisting a tree up using a winch and rope. Like I'm so proud of you. I was proud of myself. So yeah, that's how I've be been. Proud. That's what I've been. That's mm-hmm. what I've been working on. Uh, and a little, <laughs> a little insight to the psyche of a lawyer is when we do like physical labor, we get really proud of ourselves because we yeah. never able to do that De- normally. Dennis so. came over with a chainsaw. Oh and we, yeah, and and we chainsawed trees in the backyard, and, and um, that was. Do you have fancy wine afterwards? I have fancy wine like every day. <laughs> So that's just yeah, a day okay. that ends in this day just, for me. Yeah, just stick with the the whole, you know, highfalutinness of yourself there, my friend. But I'm yeah. glad you got to play with chainsaws. <laughs> I mean, I had a can of beer. <laughs> okay, there you go. That you know, check that box off right check there. Check that Good box. Good job. Good job. Good job. Okay, so what I would like to start with is um if you all know me well or you follow me on the Twitters, you will know that I am the Minnesota State Twitter lead for Moms Demand Action. And so over the past couple of weeks, um, I think we are now 14 days out of Buffalo, um, 10 days out of Uvalde. Um, and with mass shootings, you know, hijacking the news and killing our children and folks, it's really important that this particular weekend is what we call Wear Orange Weekend. Um, Hadia Pendleton was a 15-year-old girl from Chicago. She had marched in President Obama's inaugural uh, event, and then she was killed tragically just a short time after. Her favorite color was orange. And so her family started this movement to wear orange, to bring awareness to gun violence in the U.S. And Moms Demand Action is a big supporter of that. We do a lot of wear orange events. You'll see on the social media is lots of stuff with orange, uh, lots of celebrities and teams, um, sports teams have been really vocal and advocating for wear orange and trying to prevent gun violence. Um, I hate baseball, like hate it to my core. And yet I and- still am your <laughs> Yes, but the Tampa Bay Rays and the Yankees devoted an entire game to talking about the statistics around gun violence and that 110 people are killed every day in this country due to gun well, violence. I hate the Yankees. I, I love <laughs> baseball, but I hate the Yankees. the Yankees. And then I'm like, I'm like, oh, man. I, oh, man. God, uh, I, man, mm-hmm. I, I guess I kind of like them today. Yeah. Well, and then the governor of Florida has is withholding $35 million from the Tampa Bay Rays because they shared gun violence statistics um, and were advocating for the prevention of gun violence. And what so, a good guy. Ugh, ugh. Um, but so I, I want to talk about that only because can you imagine being the HR person for Tops? Superstore in Buffalo, New York? Or can you imagine being the HR person for the Uvalde School District? Or any HR person who has to deal with gun violence, um, whether it is nearly 50% of gun violence is suicide. So losing an employee to suicide. Um, And then, you know, just tragically, whether it is the quote unquote accidental shooting of a child because of an unsecured weapon or it is um, the, just the tragedy of gun violence in this country. So 
please understand that this is a really important topic. It does affect every American because nearly 68% of Americans are some sort of survivor of gun violence, whether they, um, a family member has been killed or through suicide, we all are affected by it. And it is something that we can do things about, which I know seems sometimes hopeless, but there are a lot of things that we can do. And hopefully, uh, one of my favorite senators, Chris Murphy from Connecticut, is working really hard with the bipartisan group. And so maybe we'll get some things changed this time. But it is, it is, I can't imagine any American right now who doesn't have gun violence near the top of their list of things that are important, or at least going on, given the devastating news. I, I, yeah, I wish I could agree with that last part, but I know that there's plenty that don't, um, <laughs> and, or, or at least don't think about it seriously. And, uh, you know, if, if there's anybody, you know, that's to the left of you on this issue, it's me. <laughs> and I'm more of just a straight up gun abolitionist, uh, in, in its entirety. Uh, obviously that's not the lawyer in me speaking. That's just me on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do edge towards the hopeless side of it. And so anytime I want to not feel that way, I go and look at your, your Twitter account and, <laughs> and, and take um, some solace and some inspiration in that you are out there uh, leading this charge in the way you do. And I think it's awesome. Uh, we haven't talked about this either. I was thinking about this uh, in kind of the week since our last episode, which uh, wasn't employment focused and was focused on uh, kind of the history of the right to privacy. And mm-hmm. we, we got a lot of really positive feedback about that. And I was thinking mm-hmm. uh, maybe a, a side episode at some point here in the not too distant future, we can do a similar sort of episode on the history of the Second Amendment and interpretation of, <laughs> uh, and talk about how something that was interpreted one way at one point in time has become really hijacked. problematic and hijacked to the point where the hopelessness I feel on the legal side is, Mm -hmm. is really as high as it's ever been in my lifetime. And, you know, it's, it's hard to see a path forward without actually repealing the second amendment, given what the jurisprudence is right now. And that's not going to happen. So yeah, with, with a a huge SCOTUS opinion waiting in the wings about New York's uh, ban. And, and and like, oof. Yes, and, but and it's only going to be bad news. So <laughs> yeah, well, and Sherilyn Eiffel, who I you know top American in my opinion, um, there was a congressman during a hearing brought out a bunch of guns and talked about how magazines wouldn't fit in these kinds of guns if the bills that the Democrats want to pass would pass. Um, and I can't imagine sitting in a Zoom call with, at any employer where that would be okay. Like, yeah, here, look at your all my guns. Like, I'm sorry, what? Like, um, she pointed out, like, would you still have your job if you did this? Like, uh, it's really, it's really interesting. So can we talk about some things that are a little bit more happy, though, my friend? Uh, I mean, yeah, we actually have a a major victory. We have a major victory uh, story we're going to lead with today. And given how much time. Uh, and real estate we've given on this podcast to equal pay in the world of soccer. We have some news. So just three months um, after the uh, U.S. women's national team, soccer national team, and U.S. soccer settled their gender discrimination lawsuit for $24 million, 
the U.S. Soccer Federation and the men's and women's national teams agreed to side-by-side collective bargaining agreements that will equalize pay and vindicate the women in their years-long battle. I'm reading from an article. Yeah. This is not yeah, my, no, no, no. my specific it's word. It's so exciting, though. Vindicate the women in their years-long battle with the Federation over uh, inequities. I should call out. I'm taking this largely from a Yahoo Sports article as I talk talk through well, this. And I, and I want to say that, yes, it's vindication for the women, but think the men's team. Like, the men's team pulled this out, too. Like, they came out we'll get loudly there. in support. And so, I want We will get it. there. Okay. Uh, that's, that features in the discussion here. And, and I've got a question about that. Okay. That I'm going to want you to weigh in on. Ooh. So, Stump the Bischoff. Okay. Oh, not that kind of stump. Like, not, <laughs> not that kind of question. More just, it's just really just both of our opinions. Um, so the the two deals, because it's these are two separate CBAs that have matching terms, will run through 2028, and they will pay the players on identical terms. They will also equalize World Cup prize money, which had been a major barrier that had perpetuated inequality and still does pretty much in every other country around the world yeah. when it comes to their men's and women's teams. The new CBAs are the result of joint bargaining uh, sessions involving the two players associations that began last year, and it includes pledges to pay and treat men's and women's players identically for national team appearances and performance. For the women, we've talked about this before. This represents a real departure from previous contracts. It's like, as we've talked about, the top women's players had been guaranteed salaries by U.S. soccer that covered both their work for the national team and their club play in the National Women's Soccer League. But with NWSL salaries are now paid directly by the clubs, the new U.S. women's national team structure will be pay for play, as it has been on the men's side for many years. And we talked about how this was a difference in what had previously been negotiated between the two different teams, that one was pay for play and one was more guaranteed comp, but with a lower upside. And we had lots of interesting conversations about, is that unequal? Well, it's not the mm-hmm. same, is mm-hmm. not the same inherently unequal. Like all of these kinds of philosophical questions around it. Now the women's side is also pay for play. So at least we can, we're not comparing apples and oranges. We're, we're comparing apples and apples, at least yep. in that regard, uh, again. So in the, uh, kind of cover this, All right. So in the past, the men were supported by salaries from their professional clubs and therefore didn't need the guaranteed pay. So then they earn more significantly more than the women per appearance and per win. Now the players will earn $8,000 per exhibition game, $10,000 per competitive match. If they're invited to training camp, regardless of gender, they'll, earn, they'll earn bonuses for wins and draws up to $14,000 per win, depending on the stakes and the strength of the opponent. Uh, if they are on the 18 or 23 player game day roster, uh, the men's and women's team also, and this is really, and we'll talk about this more in a few minutes. This is really the big, the big piece for me. Uh, and for many people, they have agreed to share world cup prize money. So this, this bridges a gap that FIFA, which is soccer's global governing body has refused to do anything about, for example, FIFA rewarded men's teams at the 2018 World Cup a total of $400 million based on their performance. The winner, France, received $38 million. 
the entire pot at the 2019 Women's World Cup was $30 million. <laughs> oh, man. And the, so, US, the U.S. Women's National Team received $4 million for winning. Okay. So now, the three parties, so that's the women's team, the men's team, and U.S. soccer, will pool all the prize money they earn from the 2022 and 23 World Cups and distribute 90% of it equally among the men's and women's teams. The regardless of who wins? Regardless of who wins or anything else. Okay. As I understand it. The Federation will keep the other 10%. In 26 and 27, those shares will decrease for the teams to 80%, and U.S. soccer will take 20%. Uh, okay. A similar model to that will apply to non-World Cup competitions where there is a men and women's equivalent. Okay. Okay. Otherwise, if there's okay. no equivalent, then I think they just keep their money on that side, and U.S. soccer still takes a share. Okay. We've also talked about other parts of, of the equal pay lawsuits that the women have brought mm -hmm. about unequal conditions. Mm -hmm. These CBAs now take care of many of those issues. And here's a short list of what those include. Equal quality of venues and playing surfaces. Right. So the men Whoa. were only playing on grass. The women were paying. Right. And, and, and stadium facilities and locker rooms and all of that stuff. Equal resources with respect to hotel accommodations. Uh, on a per night per room basis, U.S. soccer will maintain comparable budgets for the women's team and men's team for each fiscal year for hotel mm -hmm. accommodations for matches and camps. A world-class training environment by ensuring that the senior national team's camps are fully staffed by the experienced personnel needed to provide players with training, recovery, and rehabilitation. Equitable staffing at those camps. An equal number of charter flights for team travel to official competitions, tournaments, and friendlies. Important protections to pre to prevent harassment and other improper conduct. The protections Ooh. include player input into how they are treated and mirror best-in-class sporting, medical, and other treatment environments around the world. They also adopt prophylactic rules to protect the privacy and dignity of senior national team players, including the ability to report anonymously and via text. Like, <gasps> okay. awesome. Okay. Yeah, well, okay. So I, I will just say, I really like reporting via text. I'm not sure I love the anonymous part, but okay. Well, I, it cuts both ways, right? Yeah. But, but just having the ability to report and giving yep. avenues to do so, uh, and building that right into the contract, like, okay. Yep. And then this one is is also interesting. Uh, child care will be provided at national team camps. U.S. soccer has already done this for the women's team since the 90s. It will now offer similar benefits to men's players who wish to bring their kids to camp. I think this is awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as I mentioned before, though, I, you know, it, this is all notable. It's all laudable. It's all really good. But it's the money aspect that really mm -hmm. makes this unique. And it will position both sets of players among the most well-compensated eh, well compensated national <laughs> team players in the world. The men uh, who had been playing under the terms of a CBA, and this is important, I want to, and this, this leads into the question I'm going to be getting at, into in a minute. The men who've been playing under the terms of a CBA that expired in 2018 and they just kept, they, mm -hmm. never, they never got another CBA, will now make more per game than they had in the past and mm -hmm. more than their counterparts on superior men's teams around the world. Uh, we can say that for the men's team uh, easily that, you know, 
they are mm-hmm. not the best team out there, whereas the women are elite. Um, yes. A key thing to focus on here is the pooling of the World Cup money. Yeah. Uh, some soccer federations in Europe and elsewhere have recently pledged to pay their men's and women's teams equitably game by game or distribute equal proportions of the unequal FIFA prize money. But none has ever jointly addressed pooling World Cup prize money because that, you know, what they were doing didn't take into account the disparity between the money available here. This is one pool. Well, so here's my take on that. Um, That definitely benefits the women because, you know, of the vastly different pots of money that it's coming from. But it also really shows that we're one team, right? Like it really does create those vines together um, that the national soccer is national soccer. I think that's right, which still... And we talked about this previously also. It's so weird that we've got separate bargaining units here that are based yeah. solely on an otherwise protected characteristic. Um, <laughs> yes. And makes it feel much less like that's an issue now. Yeah. Now, from the article I read, so what I understand is that, that and, and I get this, <laughs> the men initially okay. completely balked at this idea. Okay. Okay. Uh, Cindy Parlo Cohn, who is the U.S. soccer president, she was, I believe, on the 99 team, World Cup team okay. for the women, uh, privately and then publicly as part of the negotiations, made this non-negotiable. Oh! Okay. Okay. The men's players finally came to the table earlier this year, and when they finally got everyone in the room together, I got a couple of quotes. There was, quote, a lot of listening, a lot of learning, and difficult conversations. But according to Cohn, they ended in a good place with, quote, an agreement where everyone's a little bit uncomfortable and everyone's a little bit happy. Yeah, that's that's what negotiation is. Negotiation and bargaining, I don't know what else does. So this is so cool. I just think all of this is, is great, and I'm really excited about it. It leads us to a listener question. Okay. This comes from Carly Nave. Good morning. I have no doubt you will provide an update regarding the equal pay <laughs> by the U.S. Women's National Team. Called it. Called yep. it. Nailed much, it. Much of the coverage I have seen on more liberal media seems to give a lot of credit to the men for giving something up. And the takeaway <laughs> message the takeaway message appears to be that women cannot achieve equal pay unless men give up something to allow it. I am deeply disturbed by this messaging and concerned this will have the effect of hurting equal pay efforts in other areas. I'm interested in hearing Mark's and especially Kate's. I'm I'm like not going to be offended by that. Um, And especially Kate's (laughs) thought on this take. I've been listening from the beginning. Love the pod. Thank you, Carly. Carly, thank you for writing to us and asking that question. Kate, what do you think? Well, so Kate, it's I'm radio. really we can't have long pause like that. <laughs> I know, right? I'm so sorry. No, no, it's like no. The question's the first time I've seen Kate. Like, <laughs> obviously, we didn't prep this in advance. It's uh, no. I, I, I mean, I understand. I think I can read your mind a little bit, and and I, yeah. All right, go for it. No, 
no. You what? You said you could read my mind. Go for well, it. Well, I think I no suspect. Challenge. I mean, mm-hmm. it cuts both ways for me. Mm-hmm. It cuts both ways for me. Uh, I think you can argue the men gave something up here. Yeah, absolutely. I think the flip side of that, and I I highlighted this point a little bit for me, is that they are still making more than they did under their prior CBA. And it's it's not like the men are coming out of this uh, somehow worse off. No, no, no. And that's the nature of bargaining. Yes. Uh, and they agreed to it and it's fully bargained and whatever complaint they might have, it's it's moot and it's in the past now. And I don't yeah. think that I take away from the messaging that women can only get here because the men have to give something up. The fact that they may have here is not in essence their fault. I, I you no. know, it's FIFA's fault for having inequitable money in the grand global scheme of things which yep you know so i don't think it sends that i don't think that sends that message to me at the same time the point is very well taken and i Mm -hmm. don't like that positioning and if people are reporting on it that way like screw them i don't like that and i haven't heard that from the men and i haven't heard that in the discussion uh it doesn't mean it's not there, though. You know, so it's like I can no. I can see both sides of that discussion. That that's what I think was going on in your head, but I, maybe I'm wrong. Yes, I that is what's going on in my head. Um, I think though that I think, and I may be completely wrong, and that's okay. I want to give a lot of credit to the men because not only did they come to this agreement and it may have been difficult conversations to get there. I think that's true that it absolutely was, but they are blazing a trail here. Like, can you imagine the WNBA and the NBA coming to the same sort of agreement? Fuck no. Um, never. I mean, we've got a, a WNBA star player still stuck in Russia. And if LeBron I, was still in, in yeah, Russia, I, somehow I don't think that that would be the same. That would, no, it's not the same. Um, But so I want to applaud the men. I see where, you know, they may have given something up, but they also have been united in the fact that they wanted the women to do better. Or at least there weren't detractors during this, you know, at least not publicly visibly. There probably were, but at least not publicly visibly. Right. And so they really, to the, and I, I want to give them credit for this. I mean, the women struggled really hard. They deserve this victory. They should get all right. the accolades. And giving there giving too. some credit to the men on this in this regard does not invalidate the struggle or men's role in creating that struggle in the that first struggle. place. Yes, that I I want to be very clear about that. But for them to and I suspect that USA Soccer did not want to create new CBAs while this was going on. And the men made didn't want to continue negotiating an inequitable one while this is all was going on. And that's why they don't have a CBA since 2018. So I think this is all really good things that we finally got to this point where things are truly going to be equal. And the way to make it as truly equal as possible was to pool that money. I think, you know, within the bounds of control they had, they made the right decision here. 
Um, and so I don't see it as the men necessarily giving something up because they had never really gotten there in the first place. And I like the idea that we're all together now and we're going to fight the world and whatever men's or women's world cup. So let's go. Right. And it took this, this thing we've been talking about for, for years on this podcast now, since before you, since Dennis and I Mm -hmm. used to talk about this on the podcast too. And yeah. And, and it takes it now to a place where I think, I think this is going to be the end of it. I mean, there's still some lawsuit stuff hanging out there with Hope Solo and some other stuff. Yeah. But this is going to be the end of it. And and I'm happy about that, except that it, it takes away some content for us. <laughs> uh, and I enjoy talking about it. Uh, but I'd rather, you know, obviously, I'd rather, like, this is what the fight was. And and it, it they creatively came up with a way to manage that yeah. inherent problem of having two teams that are separate based on a protected characteristic and separate bargaining units that almost built in inequity by its very nature yeah, and crossed a hurdle by negotiating it all together as separate units with separate agreements that match terms. I think that's Mm -hmm. creative. I don't think that if you'd asked me about this six months or 12 months ago, I would have told you that this is where it was going. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really pleased that there's, there's so much negative sports news out there right now. And as a, as a, as a sports fan, uh, I, I'm pretty down about a lot of it. And I, <laughs> I feel like this is something that we can look at and be proud of and actually be proud as an American about it. Like, which, yeah, you know, yeah. I root for the U S national team, but not because I'm like the Mr. Patriotism over here. <laughs> uh, but this is something that I can look at and say, I'm really proud of how they handled this. And I'm going to feel uh, better about going and rooting for these teams next time I watch mm-hmm. them play. Yeah, I'm going to feel better rooting for both of them. Um, so, you know, because there is there. I, I don't know if, if it's just me as a woman, um, but when there when this was going on, I'm like, I don't really want to cheer for the men, you know, because they're making so much more money than the women are. Um, and that doesn't seem fair. But now, like, like, woo, we're all into this together. Let's go. Yeah, I'm, USA. I, we made. Uh, I mean, should we plan our trip to Qatar in, in November? <laughs> Kate? We can, we can, we can, we can, I know you love to we travel. Can swing cutter. I do. Um, and I've, I've had friends who've lived in cutter, so I, I don't, I'm not too worried about going. Um, I do like drinks though. And I like watching sports with a cocktail in my hand. So that might be a little bit more that of a chance. Strikes me as, as, yeah, that strikes me as slightly less likely in cutter. <laughs> hey, but maybe there won't be, you know, sometimes there's, catastrophic violence at soccer games too so maybe that will lessen that and you get misted think about that right now yeah okay you you get get misted misted. okay so Mm -hmm. all right yep um we will come back to sport oh sorry go ahead no go go for it we will come back to sports in a moment but i think in the meantime you have a story about butts yes okay so we've got an update about a story about the i need a new butt principal assistant principal okay so we originally started this we, we talked about it at the end of a podcast a few months ago about this mississippi assistant principal who was reading a children's book called i need a new butt because he was stepping in for a teacher who wasn't there so like we have a teacher shortage he was trying to you know keep the class together so he read this super funny book that you know made it to amazon's top 
book that day. Um, but he was then terminated for that. And he appealed to the school district to try to keep his job. Well, my update is based upon the appeal. Okay. So the superintendent who was the person who made the termination decision had written a letter to the about this happening. And he called the book inappropriate as it described butts in various colors, shapes, and sizes. Example, fireproof, bulletproof, and bombproof butts. Um, the book contains statements and cartoon pictures regarding bodily autonomy, bodily functions, which is total fodder if you have children, like we talk about bodily functions all the time, and removing clothing to expose private areas of of the body in various positions. Okay, like mooning people. Still funny. I am 44 years old. Still funny. So uh, the assistant principal, Mr. Price, was fired two days later, and then he appealed, and he has been informed that the firing was upheld. Mr. Price's contract has been terminated due to his incompetence, neglect of duty, and for good cause, according to the report. And here we have five school board members who voted on this. Two voted yes to uphold the termination. One voted no. And then this is where I get royally ticked off because two of the school board members abstained. They did not vote either way, one way or the other. They did not do their job as school board members to vote on whether or not an assistant principal who was trying to keep a class of kids entertained abstained. Abstaining is just a yes vote. They took, yeah. they made their position. Oh, it makes me so angry that they abstained. <coughs> so because they abstained, he will remain terminated. Um, he has had a GoFundMe campaign to raise money for him and his um, future, whether it is to appeal it to the state Supreme Court or to find other positions. He has turned down many out-of-state job offers. Um, but, you know, but. he said <laughs> – only one T in that but originally. Um, but now two Ts. He <laughs> – he explained the reason for doing this was that he had a lot of reluctant readers and with 21% of the residents of Hines County living below the poverty line, we know a, a strong correlation exists between reluctant readers and poverty, um, that he is a firm believer that reluctant leader, readers need silly, funny books to hook them in. And that was part of the reason why he read that book that day. And so that just breaks my heart. And if I wasn't wearing a wear orange t-shirt today, I would be wearing um, a Mary Beth Tinker shirt today because he does have First Amendment rights, free speech rights, because he's a public employee and he should have been able to keep his job here. So it breaks my heart, this this little story. So I'm like, what a bunch of prudes. Like, come on, like, get over yourselves. Mm -hmm. Like, and like. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do you, it. I'm not going to do it. But these school board members are likely to say that students need to have a bulletproof backpack, but they can't talk about having a bulletproof butt. Like, yeah, come like on, the, like, 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 <coughs> like, we've got to go through through death drills at school about what happens uh-huh. when somebody comes in with a murder machine and tries to kill you, and that's okay. That's okay. But we but cannot talk about, talk about butts. Yep, and ridiculous. actual things that we all deal with every day. 
Well, hopefully every day. Well, one way or another, even if you're not doing that, you're you're sitting on the thing. You're lying down on the thing. It helps yes. you walk. Like it helps you walk. Oh, this is great. Okay. Okay. So, like this is just like part to- of life. Anyway, sorry. Would you like to talk about a group of butts? <laughs> um, sure. Uh, let and us- I'm referring to the NFL as a group of butts. Yes, uh, collectively. So so it was funny, when we were prepping for today, you know, we give a little bit of information to each other about what we're talking about, which actually uh-huh. led to a huge misunderstanding around uh-huh. that Mississippi story about butts, because we were talking about two different stories, and I thought Kate was going to do a different one. If you haven't read the article in the Mississippi Free Press uh, about the, the teacher effectively fired for being gay... Yeah, I recommend that we will come back to that. I thought yeah. that that was actually what Kate was going to feature today, and not the butt story. The butt story is great. Uh, it may be months before we come back to it. I would highly recommend that you look for the story. Oh, uh, it's, it's we're going to still available. do this story this. We're month. We're still going to do we're gonna, it. We're going to close it. I'll close out Pride Month on this story. Okay, so, so if we worry. can find time, if we can find time to do it, because I'm traveling, uh, we'll figure <laughs> it out. Even if it's just a one-off, because it's such a it's such an important and really good yeah. article. Uh, and so we didn't want to, I, I didn't want that to kind of just go by without us mentioning it. Um, but yeah, let's talk about, oh, so anyway, bringing it back to what we were talking about beforehand was, <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about, uh, an NFL team and Kate's like, well, you're going to talk about this team, right? I'm like, no different team. I was like, <laughs> really? It's the NFL. We could find something for any team that's I, yep, fit for this podcast. So I'm going to start off with a story about the Las Vegas Raiders. And Kate's going to talk about a story about the Washington, an update update on the Washington Commanders. I think that's what they call themselves. Yes. Uh, And uh, we will have our NFL section. (laughs) So the Las Vegas Raiders, it's still hard for me to say that. uh, You want to say LA Raiders? No, I want to say Oakland Raiders. Oh, okay. Because that's, you know, it was Oakland, then LA, then Oakland, then Vegas. Okay. So, on May 6th at 10 Mm -hmm. a.m., the Las Vegas Raiders Twitter account posted a short and sweet quote from their owner, Mark Davis. Dan Ventrell is no longer with the Raiders organization. We will have no further comment at this time. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Dan Ventrell is a lawyer and a businessman who, as I understand it, is a <coughs> lifelong, diehard, rabid Raiders fan. Yep. In his early career, he's uh, as a lawyer, he served as outside counsel to the club at a law firm in San Francisco. And I believe he basically sought out work at that firm just so that he could work for the Raiders. Uh, yep. So it's that kind of fan. In 2003, he jumped over from uh, law firm life to be an in-house attorney for the Oakland Raiders. Over the years, he rose through the ranks and eventually became the executive VP and general counsel. Ventrell was instrumental in relocating the Raiders away from Oakland to Las Vegas, which may or may not make him popular, depending Mm -hmm. on where you're from, and building (laughs) the new stadium in Las Vegas. In July 2021, Ventrell was named new interim, uh, sorry, interim president, president of the mm-hmm. Raiders after current president Mark Bedain resigned. At the end of the 2021 season, Ventrell assumed the permanent role as president. According to Wikipedia, he worked in that <laughs> role 
I've got to cite my sources to settle the rate, uh, <laughs> settle the Raiders organization into Las Vegas uh, as a community partner in Las Vegas, championed the Raiders vaccine verification program uh, for mm-hmm. coming back to games and helped to bring the Nevada State High School football championship to the stadium. So when the May 6th tweet came across announcing his departure from the club, it raised a few eyebrows. No joke. The next day, Ventrell released a statement. Today, Mark Davis terminated my employment as president of the Las Vegas Raiders. I have committed almost 18 years of my life to the success of the Raiders as general counsel and president. I take that responsibility very seriously, which is why multiple written complaints from employees that Mark created a hostile work environment and engaged in other potential misconduct caused me grave concern. When Mark Mm -hmm. was confronted about these issues, he was dismissive and did not demonstrate the warranted level of concern. Given this, I informed the NFL of these issues and of Mark's unacceptable response. Soon thereafter, I was fired in retaliation for raising these concerns. I Mm -hmm. firmly stand by my decision to elevate these issues to protect the organization and its female employees. I remain committed to doing everything in my power to support the Raiders and the Las Vegas community I now call home. I have retained counsel and will have no further comment at this time. Yep. Okay. Um, well, let, let me also point out, and I think this is right. Um, hold on. I'm going to Google it really fast. I want to say that Dan Ventrell, uh, where's the picture of him? I want to say he's a black man. I don't believe so. Okay. I mean, look. I thought he was. Double check, but I don't I, think so. I think I saw a picture of him in an article I was doing when I was researching this. Okay. Okay. Because I thought he... Oh, okay. Well, neither here nor there. He's got a great retaliation claim if the one thing that makes Minnesota very unique is that if it is your job to report these things... You can't have a whistleblower claim. It actually doesn't make Minnesota unique. That actually exists in lots of states because I have researched okay. that and briefed that in the past. But it is but, not. An, it is not an absolute in some places. No, it's not. And you know, if it's your job to investigate and report those things, then you know, then you don't have necessarily the protection as president of the organization. He has a responsibility to do that, but I don't know that it's his job to do job. that. Job. Okay. Uh, yes. Well, so he certainly I, had a- I believe that he does have a strong retaliation claim here. Yes. A league sp- spokesman released a statement, I believe, the same day or the next day, saying that the NFL, quote, recently became aware of these allegations and take them very seriously. We will promptly. Ah! Prom- I, I'm reading. <laughs> reading. I'm going to call will- BS. We will promptly look into the matter. Oh. Mm-hmm. So. Promptly is it not. Okay. Promptly is not a deal here because they don't have the defense under Farragher and Ellerth because it's the owner of the team. Well, and I don't, again, I don't know how the structure works exactly in the NFL. Is it an employee of the team or an employee of the league? The mm. league's investigation may not have anything to do with it. It may be entirely yes. on the the <coughs> Raiders organization right. as an employee of that entity. In any event, 
Mm-hmm. I suspect there's much more to come on this. Uh, oh, for damn sure. But here's my favorite part of this. When contacted about the allegations, the owner, Mark Davis, made the following, to me, baffling comment. As if this puts to rest the issue. Quote, I've heard about Ventrell's statement, but I won't comment on it. The only thing I want made clear is that Dan Ventrell was never president of the Raiders. He has... He has always been the interim president. He was never mm-hmm. named president. The interim was always a temporary designation to determine whether he would be the full-time president or not. I want that clear. He is not the president of the Las Vegas Raiders. Never was. I think there's a misconception about that. <laughs> and I'll just highlight to end this, that this, of course, comes on the heels of the issue last year with former Raiders head coach John Gruden, who resigned after reports that emerged of him using homophobic, racist, and misogynistic language in emails while he worked as an ESPN analyst. He at least apologized, (laughs) (laughs) saying he never meant to hurt anyone, but like... Like this, sorry, I, let me just bring it back. I'm not trying to excuse John Gruden in any way here. <laughs> At least there's like the a modicum of ownership around it. This is complete, like, what the hell does he think he's doing? This comment, like, well, he wasn't the president, so it's okay. Okay, yeah. Well, so it's like saying that you have a probationary employee. Like, oh, well, you're probationary. I could fire you for any reason. Like, well, you could do that technically anytime, but you still can't fire them for an yeah. unlawful reason. Just something, like, just something. That's something I tell them, uh, clients. This is uh, let's bring it back to an HR issue for a moment. That's yeah, something I uh-huh. tell clients all the time. They're like, "Well, it was during the probationary period," and I'm like, "I don't care." Like discrimination <laughs> laws don't care about probationary periods. <laughs> yes. Like, like it's the same standard. I mean, maybe you have a different standard internally to fire somebody based on you know your progressive discipline policy or something right. like that. But just because somebody's in, you know, otherwise I would just be telling my clients. Not that I want my clients to discriminate against anybody. Let's be clear. <laughs> Your probationary period is infinite. Right. Yep. It's infinite. And it, I, I just take it out of everything I see. Like, so he's just no an interim. So oh, it's yeah. okay that I fired him in yes. retaliation for raising concerns about my bad behavior. Uh, right. I don't see any problems with that because he was interim. Yeah. Right. The two things have nothing to do with each other. Uh, no. Mark, like bad, bad. Well, and this bad. and this is yeah this is why I call BS on the NFL taking this seriously because the lack of action that the NFL has taken with the Washington Commanders has now drawn the attention of the US House of Representatives Committee on Oversight and Reform who are going to bring in the owner of the Washington Commanders Dan Snyder and Roger Goodell the commissioner to have some conversations about how awful the workplace is for women at the Washington Commanders, including, as we've discussed on this podcast, sexual harassment, um, photos of women, naked photos of women, uh, and many, many other offenses when the team was fined just a mere $10 million. And I mean that sincerely. I'm not being sarcastic about just $10 because $10 million an NFL is... Team. Yeah, it's nothing compared to that. Um, and the the investigation was basically quashed by the the NFL's investigation was basically quashed when Goodell requested 
only an oral report, which I think oral reports are just fine, but then gave Snyder and the team a, a quote unquote slap on the wrist. So we've got chairs, Representative Maloney and R- Congressman uh, Raja K- Krishnamurthy will be asking questions June 22nd of the hostile workplace culture at the Washington Commanders. I cannot wait. Um, I will try to find a way to watch this one with popcorn. So uh, yeah, you should live tweet it. <laughs> I should live tweet that. <coughs> that would be a good time for sure. So. All right. So uh, let's, let's wrap it up here with a quick Reddit post. This doesn't, this isn't like as crazy or like what we normally <laughs> find for our last story. Uh, this was sent to us and I apologize. I don't have in front of me and I didn't write down who sent it. So um, thank you um, to whomever that was. Um, this is in the r slash legal advice um, subreddit. Employer headline, employer requiring I pay 15000 to fund replace, replacing me after I turned in two week notice. Texas. I turned in my two-week notice Monday, and today was told if I leave without giving a 60-day notice, I will be required to pay $15,000 to hire a replacement. My boss said this would affect my ability to get loans and damage my credit, since if it isn't paid in full in 30 days, at which point they would send it to collections. He stated this was in our employee handbook, which said they reserve the right, but also stated we are at-will employees and can resign any time. I am quitting because I need back surgery and I'm finally able to get it. <laughs> and my husband got a new job in a different city where my entire extended family leave, uh, lives. I'm a W-2 employee and have never seen anything about this and no other employee who quit has experienced this. I've reached out to a few employment lawyers but wanted to know if this is even legal before forking out three seventy five dollars an hour for a case review. Kate. <laughs> Kate. Why the, hold on, hold on. The case review? No, you should meet with an attorney for free. But okay. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, I think this is hilarious. <laughs> um, talk about the cojones on the employer here for saying, oh, you didn't give 60 days notice. Well, you have to pay me 15 grand to, fire your, to find your replacement. Um, there's no such thing as at-will employment in that employer's mind. Um, and you, they certainly are not paying an employee's $15,000 if they terminate the employee. So, uh, yeah, this is a bunch of hooey. And you should call your state or the U.S. government uh, Department of Labor. So state Department of Labor is probably better, even in this manner, even if it's in Texas. All right. I have an update. Okay. Spoke with an employment lawyer, and he said that it is basically just a threat to shake me down for money or to stay longer. He said he could write a letter to them telling them that the employee handbook would not create a contract and that any unadjudicated debts uh, wouldn't really mean anything but said anything else would be overkill and we really didn't think and really didn't even need to send a letter unless they try to harass us again. The lawyer said it would be the same as if I went up to my mom and told her she owes me $50 and tried to send it to collections. <laughs> he recommended that we just wait it out and call their bluff. And if they try to pursue anything else that we would pay an hourly rate for the letter, telling them it's a waste of time since there's no enforceable contract. Uh, lawyer said this was a very unique situation. Uh, and said he had only heard of people doing this for stuff like college tuition or sponsorship for visas, that the company would have no standing in court. What do you think? Good, good, good advice. Uh, the don't spend any money, just walk away. I think is relatively good advice um, because I think yeah, it wait is for them to actually threat. do something, right? Yeah, right. And it, it's it depends on so 
sometimes this happens where I get I get a call from an employee, which <coughs> sorry, I don't do employee work, but sometimes I get a call from an employee who will say like, well, they're threatening to come after me for, you know, $10,000. And I'm like, well, let them because they have to come to small claims court and you're going to win there. So, you know, just wait it out. Um, I, so I think if this was $15,000 is about the threshold in some states, but I don't know how much it is in Texas, but if it was under the threshold, yeah, just totally wait them out. Go to small claims court. Let's, let's yeah, see that happen I would, there. I would, Good job. I would be like, yeah, call their bluff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, <laughs> it's like we don't have slavery in this country anymore. <laughs> uh, well, whether- and then the fact that the handbook, like, this is uh, why everybody has to spend more time on their handbooks and read it with like a grain of cynicism because, yeah, you've now created this conflict. And so your entire handbook is meaningless, essentially. So good luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. On that note, um, <laughs> this has been fun. And yes. I'm not exactly sure, as we said earlier, when we will be back again. But we will be back again. Yes, uh, we will do we'll... one in June because I do want to end Pride Month on that Mississippi on story. On that Mississippi so. story. So let's, we'll try to figure that out. I'll be traveling for a while. I don't know what my availability exactly will be, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, anyway, I hope everybody is doing well, has a nice summer and yes, we'll be back, but, um, we will be mostly on hiatus for the next couple of months, uh, and kind try to come back with renewed vigor and energy in the fall. Um, Kate, where can folks find you in the meantime, if they want to pay (laughs) for your services? and hire well, you as a lawyer or to talk to you about anything that they want to talk to you about. Okay. Well, you can find me at K, the number eight, B-I-S-C-H, everywhere. That's where I'm on the Twitters, Instagram. That's my website. So that's where you should be able to find me. Where can they find you at Bullard Law? Well, you just gave it away. <laughs> uh-huh, I gave it a preview. Yes. Yeah, so you can find me at the Bullard Law website. That's got all of my contact information. I'm at Salad Pants on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn. But I, I, gosh, LinkedIn's becoming such a pool of nonsense. I'm like barely on there anymore. Um, <laughs> not that Twitter's well, that much I will better, promote. But, you know. Yeah. Well, I will promote this on Monday. So on Good. the LinkedIn. Good. Yeah. And I'll, I'll share it or whatever. But like, you know, <laughs> Or whatever. You know, it's like, well, if I get another like lawyer consultant who I can find you work sending me an no, invitation no, no. to connect on LinkedIn, that's like, mm-hmm. you know, my my suggested contact said that I should I should become <laughs> a contact with you. And we have a lot of people in comment. And then like occasionally I like I'll be like, fine, and I accept it. And then within five minutes I have a solicitation <laughs> for like, I can really help you find more clients and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I I I, I just mm-hmm. can't I can't deal with it anymore. Um just yes but but we love all of you who listen mm-hmm. thanks listeners thanks listeners oh and if you want to send us stories if you decide yes. that this summer is the time you're finally going to write down that story about that thing that happened <laughs> at work that you know we want to talk about uh summer is a really good time to do that and send it to us at hwepodcast at gmail.com uh send your questions there your comments uh, we've gotten quite a few over the last month. Not stories, though. Uh, mm-hmm. Sending us links to things, which is great. Keep that up. But also send us yeah. your stories. HWEpodcast at gmail.com. On that note, I'm going to go enjoy the Portland rain. <laughs> <laughs>
No, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm actually going to go to my office and work for the rest of the day because I'm. Oh well, I'm going to go yuck. enjoy some Minnesota sunshine and 70 degree weather. Ooh, it's the best. You're so rude. You're so rude. <laughs> Love you, Mark. Love you too. Talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.